You're listening to Deus et Machina, a podcast that brings people together for short conversations about religion and technology. Our first season has to do with artificial intelligence. I am your host, Matthew Vaughn. My co-host for each episode will be Norm Jackness, a professor of technology management at Columbia University. In these first episodes, Norm and I are joined by Dr. Jacob Goodson, a philosopher at Southwestern College in Winfield, Kansas. Our goal for this conversation was to tease out some of the key questions that should shape how we talk about AI from a religious perspective and religion from an AI perspective. In this first episode, we're just getting started. Jacob, Norm, and I are trying to figure out what a good starting point for this conversation should be. What should we be asking and how? What interests me about this discussion, particularly from a philosophical perspective, is that oftentimes we hear people worry about or complain that the kind of AI technology, artificial intelligence technology that we're developing is somehow against the reality that we all live in and experience or distracts us from that reality. But from a philosophical perspective, starting with Plato, the there was a notion that perhaps we're in a virtual reality that has been created by God or the gods. And so from my perspective, the intersection of religion and technology has ancient roots. And I'm willing to put forth the thesis that if we're in God's virtual reality, in other words, for those that believe in God, perhaps what creation is or what God did in the act of creation was create his own virtual reality that has a comprised of all of us, then why can we not make different virtual realities that we then enjoy and have for our own pleasure and to expand our knowledge and to expand our wisdom. Okay. Love it. Let's start with that and we'll come back to it. Thank you. Norm, what are some of the questions we might be asking as we approach this? Well, Jacob started off with some good ones, frankly, but part of the thing that intrigues me coming at this from the technology side and not being a scholar of religion is I began to hear a lot of people talking about artificial intelligence as if it were a deity. Uh, they're not yet saying it. Well, there is one person for an ex-Google employee who is actually saying that, but most people aren't putting it in those terms. But it's a way they talk about it, if you, and you can find parallel statements by people who are religious. And I, my, my big question is, what are the implications of this? There's a whole history of religion and religious behavior. And are we going to be going down that path with the people who are beginning to attribute to artificial intelligence godlike powers? So right off the bat, I'm hearing a slightly different, which I think is a very fine, the, the juxtaposition of these two theses, I think is a very fine beginning point for our conversation today. And that is this. I'm hearing Jacob frame notions of virtual reality as if they were themselves creations or at least created environments in which, or their environments in which God's creation might live for all intents and purposes. Whereas in Norm's framing, the central issues have to do with whether or not that creation itself is not indeed a locus for life. It's not indeed a place in which life takes place. It is indeed the creator itself. Am I hearing the juxtaposition correctly? Yeah, except that I actually agree with Jacob. Ultimately, although lots of people talk about AI as being somehow independent, 
these are creations of mankind. And whether or not we are following in the path of, of some religions, I guess, you know, God created human beings in, in, in his image. And so now we're just, you know, as the sort of creation of the creator, we're being a creator too. I mean, that's one way. But I would also say, though, even people who are treating AI, if you will, almost as a deity, are also exercising humankind's creativity because clearly <laughs> they're making this up in their own minds, if you will. So I think there is common ground there. But frankly, it's just two different paths that come out of the statement that I think uh, Jacob was making, although I wouldn't want to put words in his mouth. Jacob, my framing of the central divergence, what are your thoughts of it? Norm says, no, it's not quite such a divergence after all. It's really two sides of the same coin or maybe one part, part A and part B, but they're all part of the same alphabet. Jacob, I'm curious how you hear the two framings. Yeah, I initially agree with what Norm was saying just now. I think for me, that there's a kind of a logical process we could go through, which we can talk about later, of determining precisely what it means to think about creators of AI or of different simulation models as God. And I think that we could be playful with that question, but ultimately I, I think we should conclude that they're they're not godlike by creating these worlds, but I think the conversation will naturally get there. Okay. So let's dive into one more aspect of the two of you and the way in which you framed it before I open it up, Jacob, to some of the questions you prepared in advance of this conversation. And we go that route, both of you, but in different ways, reflected on notions of creation and createdness as they relate to both God and artificial intelligence. So they're both these two, if you will, poles, namely the North Pole of, the, of VR and the South Pole of deity have some createdness and some creation and a creative aspect. So there's this creation coming and percolating throughout. I guess maybe my first question would be to one independent, one question about creativity to each of you. To Norm, I'll start with you. With advances in machine learning, with advances in the way in which artificial intelligence can chart its own path, how much of a created entity is it really, or could it, would it, will it always remain a created entity? So that's the question I would ask you. And then Jacob, obviously there are biblical and Judeo-Christian terms I could see very easily, like the idea that creation or creativity is a divine maybe attribute. But I guess maybe I just want to hear you more fully flesh out why you immediately, in, in evoking the Plato metaphor, why you immediately went to a created world. And is that notion necessary for framing this conversation? So let's start with Norm. Interesting question. I guess I would answer, we're really not at the stage, and I'm not sure I would ever expect to be at the stage where sort of AI is creating things on its own out of thin air. The closest analogy that may be possible is be much a little bit like having children, right? Clearly you pass along a whole set of genes to your child. There's upbringing, there's training, but there are obviously certain aspects of their behavior that are independently developed based on their own experience. And so maybe AI is kind of like our children in that sense, but not purely able independently. In the long run, now in the short run, the reality is that artificial intelligence models, algorithms are very much dependent on 
what we, how we train it, the data we give it. The AI typically doesn't even have the freedom that children have to roam the world and discover things on their own. AI, generally speaking, only discovers what it is we tell them to discover. To not tell them to discover, but tell them to look at. Um, I mean, e even for AI that moves, and it's just another name for robots, I mean, you're, you're self-driving cars. Uh, it's still focused on particular things. It's not out there trying to learn the laws of physics, for example. <laughs> so, but one follow-up on that, not to push back, but to get a little bit more granular. Our advances, and I would assume that if we were having this conversation even 10 years ago, we, we would see advanced advances in of artificial intelligence that are not nearly where they are today. And I guess you're, you seem to be saying, maybe don't worry about it too much. The creation is going to remain a creation, not a creator. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, can we really, pre I mean, maybe, I'm, maybe that's not a fair question, but I guess it, it strikes me as an intuitive next step that if machines are learning to pay attention to things in new ways, that they could eventually then learn to pay attention to brand new things and to learn ways of paying attention that we don't teach them. And I mean, theory, maybe it's just my ignorance. Yeah, of the yeah in, in theory, it's possible. But I mean, let's look at some earlier tools that don't have quite the same fear factor that AI does. I mean, when lathes were created, this enabled the furniture craftsmen to create these sort of classic sort of turned legs and things like that. Was that a creation of the machine they were using or came out of their own vision? The machine clearly enabled them to do something that wasn't possible before. And I, I just think it's really hard to draw this dividing line about the creator, you know, the producer of something independent of everything else. When ultimately, even eventually, if artificial intelligence shows more creativity, ultimately it has been programmed by human beings. It's an extension, if you will, of that uh, person's uh, programmer's understanding of how to be creative, um, even, even if it's second order in the same way that, that all of our tools have sort of allowed us to do things second order. And that might be a place then, I'm just putting words in your mouth, but I'm curious if I'm hearing you correctly, where the parent and child metaphor, which I think is very ripe for religious comparison, and I kind of want to re return to that in a minute. I think that's where it might break down a little bit, where you're saying, okay, yes, this machine entity is a, a bit like a child to the developer, to the coder, to the coding team. But unlike a child, does not take on its own distinct personalities that are independent and independently influenced. At, at this stage, it does not. Uh, but what I'm saying is if you try to extrapolate into the future, the kinds of things people are talking about, they're really talking about at most the kind of independence from the creator that children have from being independent of their creators, their parents. Well, which is a considerable amount of independence. I don't know if you've gone to a Thanksgiving dinner lately, but I'm, a, I'm a father, so you're not telling me any news. <laughs> But, All right. but the reality is, I mean, and, and, and even though for, for, uh, there are lots of small differences people can argue about at Thanksgiving dinner, the reality is you can, the outsiders can see the commonalities across the generations. Okay. All right. I mean, I think there's ways to push back on that, but I hear the general, I hear the general idea. It's an analogy. It's well, not, but I think analogies are perfect. uniquely helpful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jacob, let's go back if you wouldn't mind, because I want to, I actually wouldn't mind just in full disclosure returning to the idea of parent-child as a metaphor that's, that might in, inform our understanding of this. But Jacob, can we return back to the question that I asked you a minute ago, namely about notions of createdness as they relate to divine attributes or creation, creativity, rather? Yeah, thank you for the question, Matthew. I mean, I think creator is certainly one of the divine attributes according to both what we call the God of the philosophers and the God of the Abrahamic traditions. That's one of the shared attributes. The question in 
20th century philosophy after Nietzsche became whether or not the role of humans creating so much meant that we no longer need God, or in fact, as you know, Nietzsche's famous quote, as we record on Good Friday, that we have killed God. Right? Martin Heidegger, the German philosopher, actually argued that the extent of human creativity and freedom is a sign or a symbol that we have, in fact, replaced God uh, in terms of having creativity or creation as one of shifting from a divine attribute to a human attribute. As much as I admire Nietzsche and Heidegger, I think that they forced a fallacy of false dichotomy there and that we can, we can affirm both, or at least religious believers can affirm both that uh, creation is an attribute of God and perhaps by participating in God or by marrying God or, or imitating God that humans too can create and one of the things that I have found so interesting in the past couple of years is this new, these new philosophical arguments about how creating virtual worlds doesn't necessarily make us into God, but it does, it, it does mirror sort of divine activity. And then what does it mean to, to make sense of those different worlds from a purely human perspective? You drew on that, Norm, I'd love for your reactions to that. Actually, I had another question, but Norm, you look like you were about to ask something, so I'll hold mine off. Oh, I know. It strikes me that the sort of great creator is only one aspect of deities and may not even be the one that people refer to on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes as a, an entity that people pray to, to help them benefit in some way, to help them decide what steps to take. Uh, you know, the old, what would Jesus do kind of thing? Are people now saying, what does AI tell me to do? I don't know, but I think it's more than just the creation. There's a complex of different aspects to these, uh, actually, not just in Abrahamic religion, but in others as well. And you know, again, I'm no, not the scholar here on that subject, but just... Well, and that's actually where I wanted to take my... I wanted to I would go slightly differently, but I think, Norm, you've offered something that I, I hadn't thought of. I want to mid-long before I react to it. But, Jacob, just to push back a little bit, that creativity as an attribute of... I love your term, the God of the philosophers and the God of the Abrahamic traditions. Okay. But what about other traditions, perhaps that are maybe non-theistic religions or that have very different understandings of the role of creation, excuse me, the role of the divine in creation? Can they... Well, I guess where I'm trying to go, maybe inarticulately, and you can help me frame the way I'm trying to ask you this, are there ways to approach the idea of it's okay for us to create because it's, it's religiously okay for us to create without having a creation narrative, say, in your holy text or whatever? I think that's really where I'm trying to go. Is, are there, I mean, I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of all religions that are not necessarily your own or one that you represent in any meaningful way. I guess what I'm just trying to say is maybe talk to me a little bit more about this God of the philosopher. Because it strikes me that God of the philosopher is less, a little bit less tradition-bound. And will the God of the philosopher, by definition, bestow the notion of creativity to their followers? And maybe I'm not asking it the way I want to, but perhaps you can help me clarify. Sure. Well, when we talk about the God of philosophers, we're talking about trying to find the most simplistic version of what would a God, if God existed, what would a God have to be like or have to have? And so there's four kind of basic attributes that I usually teach in philosophy of religion. That is that God is creator, 
God is omniscient, which means all-knowing or all-wise. God is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. And God is all-good. That means that God is perfection or cannot do evil or will evil or create evil. And so I think in terms of your question, right, the interesting connection to AI and to simulation models and to virtual reality is do people who create those simulations and the people who create video games, for instance, right? Are they sharing in those attributes? And I think the initial response to that question is, would have to be that it seems like they share in at least three of the four, right? That in, in terms of not being universally omniscient or universally omnipotent, but they are locally omniscient and locally omnipotent in relation to the thing they've created. I think it would be too far to say that simulation creators or video game creators are all good. That would take a lot of social scientific research. But I do think it's interesting. And I do think that it pushes some questions onto, especially those who are religious believers that are also skeptical of technology. I think it really does raise the question of, well, can you articulate the major differences between someone who invents a video game and how you talk about God? And we can take that question in, in many different directions. But I do think that it at least raises a significant aspect that's often not talked about, that, that a video game maker is a creator, is omnipotent in terms of, the, of what he or she knows about the game, and is all-powerful in terms of, again, what he or she can control within the game. And that's three, three, three divine attributes right there. I, I think that Jacob underestimates the ambition of technologists. So well, it, I actually, I think it, I might agree with you on that, Norm, that I think there's a little bit more hubris. It, it goes beyond games. So you hear, you've probably heard this discussion about metaverse, thanks to the folks at Facebook. But there's also this whole notion of digital twins, as they're called, of, real, of the real world. And so it's much broader than just a game, which has a fairly narrow set of goals is asking people to do with the metaverse or digital twins, any, a large range of behaviors is possible, but the three out of the four that you mentioned are still in operation, excluding, as you probably said, the, the fact that the creator in, in these metaverses are not necessarily all good. As we've seen with a lot of complaints about some technologists. On the other hand, if, if you were not a believer in the Abrahamic religion, so you might point to the behavior of the God. Abrahamic religions is not necessarily being all good either, considering some of the things that transpired in the Bible. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a product of the Mid-Atlantic and New England Maritimes regions of the American Academy of Religion. Matthew Vaughn is executive producer. Norm Jackness and Ronald Bernier are producers. All recording, editing, and post-production work was done by David Dalt of Sandberg Media. We would like to extend a special thank you to our guests for their time and their expertise. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the voices offering them and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of others affiliated with this podcast or the American Academy of Religion. If you would like to learn more about the American Academy of Religion, please visit aarweb.org.